Acts chapter 2, we'll read verse 1 through 4, and then we'll hop down to the 14th verse through the 18th verse. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 through the 4th verse, and then we'll hop down to the 14th verse, and we'll read to the 18th verse. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Butcher, for having me this here this week. I don't take it lighthearted to stand behind any pulpit, but a great opportunity and a privilege. It's only by the mercy and the grace of God that I stand before you this morning. Amen. If you got it, say amen. Acts chapter 2, the word of the Lord reads this. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And Peter... Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all who dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and to hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, if you came to church to a religious, uptight congregation, you have arrived at the wrong church this morning. That's one thing I love being Pentecostal. We love to dance and shout and raise our hands. We like to say amen with the preacher. We like to kind of get with it because God's done something in our lives that's worth making a little bit of noise for. You can go down to the footy game and and watch and scream and paint your hair color and and do all that and hoop and holler for for, for some guy that you don't even know from a bar of soap. So how much more can you run around and dance and shout and act like just a foolish man or a woman for the one who gave his life for you? I'd rather look a whole lot more foolish in church worshiping the one true God for a man who's just running a piece of leather down a grass field. Amen? People are always constantly looking for changes. They're always constantly looking for something in their life. They're dissatisfied with how they are or maybe how they look. They have facelifts. They have Botox. They have freckle removal. And uh, they, they have colored contacts and, and dyed hair and, and different styles of clothes. And it seems that we are living in a very fickle generation. That nobody is happy. And uh, uh, five steps to lose ten kilos in ten days. Look at you, you're already thinking, ooh, what diet is he talking about? Bunch of carnal people. 
We're always looking to change something about ourselves, how we look or how we style our hair or our haircut. We think that we could change our house or our car or our pet, some maybe even their spouse. That can change their life and make them happy and, and, and provide a change inside of them that, 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 uh, that is only monetary, that is only uh, a physical, that only is, is, is uh, by something that you could obtain, maybe by money or, or, or by a different changing lifestyle. But I'll tell you one thing that can change your life forever. If you've come to tell me that we don't worship and serve a miracle-working, saving, life-changing God, You've come too late. I've seen God do too much in the lives of people around the globe to tell me or persuade me otherwise. I've seen too many drug addicts. I've seen too many hookers. I've seen too many people who have turned their life over for God for the better. It didn't come out of AA meeting. It didn't come from the doctor or from the bank or from the physiologist or from the psychologist. But I believe and I know that one encounter with God in the presence of Jehovah Jireh, your life can be changed forevermore. It is the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. In April, I started my journey here in Australia at the National Youth Camp. And on Saturday night, we had seven young people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. For the very first time. Went over to camp seeing a young girl named Perina. She said, man, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And she made a life decision that day. So we baptized her right there at that night service in the name of Jesus Christ. And her life was changed forevermore. Verna, who had been seeking the Holy Ghost for some time, he had come up every night, every single night at youth camp, seeking and desiring to be filled with the Spirit and the power of God. And so on one night, the very last night of revival at Pentecostals of Sydney, he came up, he threw his head back, he lifted up his hands, and God poured out His Spirit, and His life was changed forever. It was one of the most beautiful infillings I've ever seen in my life. Cameltown, a, a, a family that was backslidden for 10 plus years, came back to the Lord on Saturday. They said, hey, I think we should go to church on Sunday. And little did they know, this young little white boy was going to come and be preaching that day. And God gave them a refreshing, and God refilled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Went over to Brother Monterelli's church in Calvin, a young man. He had already received the Holy Ghost, but he said, Hey, I haven't been baptized. I just haven't done it. I don't maybe think it's necessary. And, and so uh, he says, Man, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name, don't I? I said, Yeah, you do, bud. He said, Well, when can we do it? Well, I think there's an ocean just a block away or so. I think we can walk down there and do it there. So he took that young boy, Calvin, down, and we baptized him in the ocean in the name of Jesus Christ went over to Newcastle young lady been backslidden for five years she's living a, a homosexual lifestyle she said hey I should go to the church she came to the church over in Newcastle and God refilled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost two weeks ago she brought her friend to church and God filled her with the Holy Ghost God is doing a beautiful work inside of her life. I was down at Parameda, Sister Sala's church, on Wednesday night, and, and there was a man named Joshua. He came, and, and, and he came up, and he said, man, I'm very sick. I said, yeah, bud, you look sick. 
What's wrong with you? He said, well, I was in Hong Kong and somehow I contracted the bird flu. I said, you got the what? I got the bird flu. I said, bro, you really need God to touch you then. I, I, I said, and me too, because you're over here breathing up on me. I said, dude, do you believe that God has all the power and authority to heal you right now? And he said, yes, I believe. We didn't even get into the preaching. He just came down at the worship service. And so we took a little bit of anointing oil. And right here, we anointed him with uh, some oil. And, and we started praying for him in the name of Jesus Christ. And he began to cough. And then he began to gag. And he bolted out the side door. He ran to the toilet. And he threw up the bird flew right there in the toilet and came back instantly healed magnifying God that sounds like the book of Acts to me that's not happening in some remote island some far distance away no that's happening just a little plane ride away over in a little church in a little school in Parramatta right here in Australia on Sunday night, a young lady, 74 years old. A Methodist lady. She teaches at their Methodist church. Been in the Methodist church for 40 years. For 40 years. Okay? She came to church. She got into the presence of God. God poured out her spirit and filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Her life was changed forever. We gave her the mic because she wanted to testify. And she got the mic. She said, I've been a Methodist for 40 years. I'm 74 years old. And being a Methodist is just boring. I said, well, praise God. It is. I used to be a Methodist. We didn't do nothing but sit there and just a little nod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God changed her life forever. I was in Missionary. This man been out of church 15 years. 15 years. He said, hey, I, I just decided to come to church on Sunday. He came. Little did he know. And God refilled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I went over to, to Hornsby UPC and I went over there and, and there is this married couple, 65 years old. Now one guy, had the, the husband had been baptized in Jesus' name, but he didn't have the Holy Ghost. The wife didn't have the Holy Ghost or she was baptized. And right there in the presence of God, God filled him with the Holy Ghost and filled her with the Holy Ghost and gave her the revelation of the baptism in Jesus' name. So we baptized her in a little pool that night. In Jesus' name. Shell Harbor. Two, baptized for the remission of sins. Pastor Pangy's church in Mitchenberry, his niece was there. Her name is Amazing. But she was about to experience something far more amazing than just her name. And God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we went down and baptized them in the ocean in the name of Jesus Christ. I went over to Pastor Catabiano's church and there was a young man named Perry there. And Perry had this marijuana leaf on his shirt. And at that night service, we just began to worship God. And the presence of God Almighty was so thick. And tears started rolling down that young boy's face. He lifted up his hands. And God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in a language that he had never heard. I went over to Brisbane, Brother Romeo's church. Seven people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Three of those were a Hindu family. 
devout Hindu family. One of them came, the, the, the daughter, she came, she came Wednesday night. She bowed down in the presence of God, tears streaming down her face, snotting everywhere, just messing the carpet all up. And God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. She went back home. She said, hey, Mom, I know you're Hindu. I know I'm Hindu. But I've experienced something that's life-changing. And you need to come on Sunday. And so her mom came, this very devout Hindu woman, came on Sunday morning and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then on Wednesday night, that same Lord, she brought her daughter, this little girl, and she was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. A whole Hindu family was added to the kingdom. but we have three filled with the Holy Ghost, two baptized in Jesus' name. Lindbrook, a 70-year-old lady who had not been filled with the Holy Ghost for over five years was refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Werby, this young African boy, was filled with the Holy Ghost. I asked him, I said, hey, how do you feel, bro? He said, well, I was praying and I felt a little dizzy. But I feel like something new is on the inside of me. I didn't tell him to say that. Pastor didn't tell him to say something. No, but there was a life-changing moment that this young boy experienced. Brother Ross's church, three, were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We had five baptized in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. In Adelaide, two weeks, a week and a half ago, we had one filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I don't even know all the miracles that God did. I was praying for this, this elder guy. I believe he's in his 60s or his 70s. And, and he sat the entire service. And he walks with a cane. And on Sunday night, God's presence was so thick. Uh, I, I haven't felt it that many times that often. Uh, but God was moving so strong. We were in service for four hours. Four hours. Now that will tire anybody out. And right there at the end, everybody was kind of getting tired. I said, look, I feel like God wants to do something. If you need a healing or a miracle or a special touch, now is not the time to pray those generic prayers. God, you know my need. Just provide. No, you need to ask God exactly what you want from the Lord today. And God's going to do it. And so he moved. He was about four seats back. He moved up to the front and was sitting down. I said, I said, sir, do you believe that God will heal you right now? I said, what's wrong with your leg? He said, I injured it. I hurt it. I have to walk with this cane. I said, do you believe that God can heal you? And he said, yes, I believe. I said, put that cane down, bro. I got some anointing oil. I said, I'm not anointing your head. I'm sorry, you can wash your pants later. But I, 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 I wrapped my hands around his leg and I started praying for him in the name of Jesus Christ. And some other people came and started praying for him. And he has not used his cane since Sunday night. A week ago. That's the God that we serve. He is a miracle-working, life-changing God. That's not happening in, in, in America or Africa. That's happening right here in Australia. That's not some far country that you had to fast 40 days and nights for. No, God's pouring out His Spirit and His power upon all flesh. It is the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. 
God's still doing it. If He did it over 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost when 120 people were gathered in an upper room and God's Spirit fell and filled them all with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they all spoke with tongues that they had never known. And then 3,000 people were added to the church. On one occasion, 3,120 people were added to the church speaking in tongues and baptized in Jesus' name. It is the life power changing of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like it. There is nothing that can equate to it. There is nothing more powerful or greater than when God releases Himself through your mouth. Nothing greater than it. And all those miracles and signs and wonders, that's all good. That's good you don't have to walk with the cane anymore, sir. But let me tell you what the greatest miracle is. It's when you empty yourself and you allow God's presence and Spirit to come and live inside of yourself. And He releases His power through your mouth. Demons tremble at His name. I was in uh, Togo, West Africa a year ago to this day. And we were in this big crusade service and there was this lady. God just kind of kept dealing with me. He said, go pray with her. I said, well, for what? i like to know. And he said, just go pray for her. This is just how me and the Lord work. I said, for what? He said, just Go. And I said, but I don't know what to pray for. So I went and I, I, I didn't obey. I, I started moving around and praying for some other people. And, and God was pouring out His Spirit. And so I ended up almost in the same area. And I, and I, I kind of actually forgot about her, to be honest with you. And I looked back over. And He said, go pray for her. I said, fine. So I went over to her. I didn't know what to pray I didn't know what to say. The only thing I knew was to put my hand on her. I don't know why I just had an umption. I put my hand on her and I said, in the name of Jesus. And it was at that moment she started fighting and punching and twisting and shaking and screaming. And I said, oh boy. This one's going down in the books. And Pastor Kofi, this very smart, smart African man, he came over and he said, he said, she's been filled with a demonic spirit for a long time. We have prayed and prayed and prayed and we cannot get the spirit out. It just will not come out. He's like, well, you've stirred it up, so now you finish it. <laughs> so we're right there praying in the name of Jesus Christ. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just speaking the name of Jesus. I'm just rebuking this spirit. I mean, she is going ballistic. Ballistic. Now she's starting to make a scene, okay? So now the people in the altar are looking back. Now I'm getting angry because she's disrupting the service. I said, Lord, I'm going to say it one more time and it's going to come out. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to be released. Now she's on the floor just going ballistic. And it was at the moment I mentioned his name, it just ceased. It completely left. And then this, the, the burden that you just saw come over her, that just left. It was like a flush. It was like flushing the toilet. It just whoosh. 
And tears just began to roll down her face. And the church was going nuts because they knew this lady. See, Togo, West Africa is right next to Benin. That's where voodoo was originated from. They call it juju. And so that's where, so there's a lot of that influence over in West Africa. That's where it started. But at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ, that is when demons and sickness flee. No, it's still happening. God's still doing it. God is still healing and forming and changing the lives of people who are hungry and willing to let God change them. It's necessary. It's not extra. Jesus told Nicodemus, this young rich ruler, he came to him in the night. He said, he said look, he said, what do I have to do? Come on, be, be, be honest with me. Tell me. Uh, uh, in West Africa, they would say, what's the good price? Give me the good price. What do I really have to do? And he said, if you are not born of the water and of the Spirit, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's absolutely necessary to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and to go down in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when you take on the name of Jesus, it's literally God getting inside of you. It's literally God getting inside of you. That's what's so powerful about it. I, I, I used to think, oh, I wonder how it was to be one of the twelve apostles. To be able to walk with Jesus and, and talk with Him and, and walk down the street with Him and to see His footprints in the dirt and in the sand. To hear the teachings of Jesus. To, to be able to, to be there and see Him work and move. I used to think, oh, that would be so wonderful. But now it's much more personable. Because now it's not Jesus Christ sitting next to you. It's not just Jesus Christ walking with you. It's not just Jesus next to you. But now, when you allow the Holy Ghost to come inside of you, it's with you. Every step that you take, every breath that you inhale and you exhale, it's literally God inside of you. So it's much more personal now than it's ever been. Because every trial and temptation and situation that you could ever face with or go through, God said, that's all right. I'll go with you, Pastor. I'll walk with you. I know it's hard and this life isn't great all the time and it's not just happy clappy, but, but hey, that's all right because I'm with you. I'm with you. I've never heard anybody say, I regret getting the Holy Ghost. If you know them, please give them my Facebook. I would love to talk to them. I've never heard anybody say, oh, I just wish I would have never got into the presence of God. I wish I would have never got baptized in Jesus' name. I wish I would have, I, I wish I would have stopped coming to church. I've never heard anybody say that. But I'll tell you what I hear everywhere I go. I wish I would have stayed longer. I wish I would have kept going to church. I wish I wouldn't have fell out. I wish I wouldn't have backslid. I wish I would have let God's Spirit really do a work inside of me. I've never heard anybody regret. It is the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. You've never experienced true joy until you've allowed the Holy Ghost to come inside of you. You've never really had peace that surpasses all understanding until you let God get inside of you. Never. Something new gets inside of you. That young little African boy in Werribee, he said, I just feel like something's new in me. 
I feel like something's new inside of me. That's a miracle in itself. How he's realized, not just that he was filled, but he's realized that there has been a change. There has been a shift inside of me. This young little 12-year-old boy, something's different now. Something's different. know what you're faced with. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you will go through. But I know a God who said, hey, I gave my life for you. I gave my life for you. I know it's quiet right now, but I feel the Holy Ghost. He's going to do something in here. If the musicians would go ahead and come, just, just give me some background music. Is that okay? Just play me something nice and pretty. He said, I gave my life for you. So many times. I've heard the fanciest sermons. I've, I've, heard, the, I've heard the greatest preachers in Pentecost. Got up and preached a message and never mentioned. Never mentioned the death of Jesus Christ. Never mentioned that Jesus Christ died. But last time I flipped through the script, it said that that was what the gospel was. It was that Jesus Christ died, and He was buried, and He resurrected. Not Acts 2.38. That's the response to what was preached. Peter preached, hey, your sins crucified Jesus. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, you must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins and you shall. Not maybe, not if, not for white people, not for black people, not for some people, not for America, not for Australia. But whomever, the Lord our God shall call. You say, well, what's so big? You, all, you, you Pentecostals, you, you, you're always preaching Acts 2.38. You're always hung up on that. You put so much focus on that. Because we're doing and we're recognizing we're going through the same exact thing that Jesus Christ did so long ago. Because when we repent, we die to our sins. Just like Jesus Christ died. And then we're buried through Him in baptism. And He washes away all those sins. And then just like He had a resurrection, we have a resurrection. He said, for this promise. That's why He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It's not just a power to sit there, but no, it's a resurrecting power to help you not make the same mistakes that you made before. That's why you need it. Because you can't, on your best day, 
you're not good enough. But it's only by the love and the mercy and the grace and the power of Jesus Christ that we are overcomers through Him. He said, I gave my life for you. But so many times we live in defeat. We live in bondage. We live in hurt. We live in pain. Well, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said to me. That's okay. I know what Jesus Christ did. And He gave His life for me. You don't know what Jesus did. Because what He went through was a whole lot worse than anything that you could ever go through. And so this man, there's this prophecy, God, this angel spoke to Mary. He said, you'll give birth to this son, to this boy. And you will give him the name of Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. And Mary, this woman, this virgin, who knew no man, conceived a child. Physically impossible. Conceived this child. And everybody, the Jews, the Greeks, the Gentiles, everyone, they thought God was, they knew God was coming back. They knew that there would be, there would, there would be this power. They knew, but they didn't know how. He said, no, then over across town in Bethlehem, they said, Jesus the Messiah is born. And there wasn't a lot of people who was accepting that. They said, no, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. This is God who reigns in victory. This is Alpha and Omega beginning and end. This is the root of David. This is the Lion tribe of Judah. This is Yahweh. This is Elohim. This is Adonai. Surely, He didn't come through a manger. Surely, He didn't come through this uh, a little farmhouse. That's not how He's going to come. From a young age, he was always about his father's business. It took 30 years for him to start his earthly ministry. At the age of 30, his earthly ministry, Jesus' ministry, only lasts three and a half years, 33 and a half years old. But within these three and a half years, signs and miracles and wonders, blind eyes were opened, crippled legs were straightened out, arms were restored that were shriveled up, that dead was made live again in these short three years. Can't even graduate Bible college in three years in America. Jesus Christ showed up on the scene. Lives were changed forever. This man who was falsely accused because people didn't believe who he said he was. He said, you're just a carpenter. You're just a prophet. You're just a man. Surely you can't be God.
So he broke the law. Blasphemy, that's, that's a big charge. Repentantly, that's death. That's not a little slap on the wrist. Holy Ghost is going to fall in just a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in here. And so as a custom, Roman soldiers would... They would take the ones who were to be punished, who were going to be crucified. And there was this little stump in the ground that was cut at a little angle, kind of like... Kind of like this pulpit. And they would bound his arms and his legs... And there he was chained to this little post, stripped naked, humiliated in front of all these people. This man who never did anything wrong, who never spoke any harm to anyone, who never sinned. Hanging there, humiliated on this little post. And, and they, would, they would take a, a, a cloth of, of leather. They would take a cloth of leather and they would cut stripes uh, uh, of pieces of leather out of that cloth and, and then they would, they would take all those strips of leather and then they would take pieces of bone and pieces of iron and they would put woven pe- these pieces of bone and iron throughout these strips of leather and then they would take all those strips of leather and then they would fasten them together and they would make a whip out of it and there this man hung this guy who never did anything wrong who never lied who never stole, who never cheated, who never thought a bad thought, was hanging there on this little post. And so these Roman soldiers would take that, that fastened uh, a whip that they just made and they would begin to hit on the back of Jesus Christ. This innocent man. And hit after hit. Literally causing bruises and deep lashes, ripping the flesh off of his back, bleeding. It was not pretty by any scene or any stretch of imagination. This guy who literally never did anything wrong, the one who least deserved it, hit after hit. Too weak to even carry his own cross. Simon in the crowd was forced to carry it. For him. Carrying that cross up to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there there hung two criminals. They dropped that big old heavy cross on the floor. And I can just imagine it was so heavy. They just dropped it in the dust, just kind of spreads out. And, and then they took these big stake like nails. And then they would stretch your arms out. Now when you see paintings, you'll see these paintings of, of maybe the hands of God and, and, and there's a hole always in the hand, but that's not accurate. They did not put the nails through the middle of His hand. They had to go through the wrist, which medically is still part of your hand. Your wrist and your hand are not separate. No, your wrist up forward to your fingers, that's your hand. 
See, because if they would have put the nail through the hand, then when they picked up that cross and they nailed your hands down, they picked up that cross and then the foot of that cross goes into the hole and it drops down into that hole. It literally would have ripped through those hands. There's no bones. It's just soft tissue and tendons there. You had to go through something hard. So that's why they would go through the wrist, the bone. They still practice crucifixions today in some parts of the world. Typically, it's for stealing. And what they did, see, a crucifixion can't kill you. And so what you would do, instead of going to jail, you would, you would be crucified. And so they would do it just like they did Jesus. And you would go and you would hang on this cross for so many hours and they would nail your feet and your hands to this cross. And then after your punishment is served, then they take you down from that cross and you've served your time. See, a crucifixion can't kill you. That's not what killed Jesus Christ. It was asphyxiation. Meaning He literally could not breathe anymore. You say, well, hold on. I've never heard that before. Well, that's okay. Because now if you go over into the story and you read of the two criminals and they grab that big old piece of wood and then it says that they broke the legs. They broke the legs. Whack! What? They would break your legs. That's your shins. And then they went to the other thief. And, what? What? See, because when you're hanging on a cross, you're, you're, holding, you're literally holding your body weighed up by your hands and by your feet. And so the only way to get air inside of your lungs, you're hunched over. You have a lot of tension on your, on your lungs. And you literally cannot... It's like inhaling and then trying to inhale again. And so how you would take your breath in your body is you would literally have to lift up on your legs, release the tension of your lungs, and then go back into that slump position. And then when it was time to get another breath again, maybe every 20 or 30 or 40 seconds, however long, you can hold your breath underneath the water. And so then he would lift back up on those nails. And for six agonizing hours, Jesus Christ did this. See, but there was a prophecy a long time ago that no bone in His body shall be broken. They were fulfilling a prophecy so long ago and they didn't even realize it. For some reason, they didn't break His legs. They took that little says blood spilled out. But he spoke these three most powerful words that I think Jesus Christ ever has and ever will speak. It is finished. 
You say, well, what's so powerful about that? Because every disease, every sickness, every demon, every sin, every problem, every situation, every circumstance, every bad day, every financial need, Jesus Christ already so long ago said, No, it is finished. See, He's already given us everything that we could ever want or need or desire. He gave His life for literally everything that we could ever need. All the way up to His very last breath in His body. It is finished. So many times we say, I can't stand when they say this, Pastor. Someone who's been sick with cancer or, or with problems, and uh, uh, they say, well, it's just the burden that the Lord has me to carry. That is a lie. You have bought into a lie from hell. It is not the will of God for anybody to be sick. Because Jesus Christ already died for it. When you hold on to problems and fear and pain, when you hold on to sin, when you hold on to stuff, when you say, oh, this is so hard, this is so difficult, it's kind of like spitting in the face of Jesus all over again, saying what you did on Calvary really wasn't good enough. You say, oh, well, this is just, this is just the, uh, the, the season that I'm in. I understand. I'm not naive. That we go through seasons in our life. Well, I've just been sick and this is just, this is just the cross I have to carry. No, Jesus Christ never said you had to carry that cross because He picked up a cross a long time ago and everything that you could ever need or want, He already gave it your life for it. Everything. Stand with me this morning. I'll tell you when my life was changed. My life was changed. When I realized what Jesus Christ really did on Calvary. When you understand, and I don't think you can wrap your whole mind around it, but when you just get a little glimmer of it, And you really put into perspective what Jesus really did. You stand in awe. But there's a response. 
You almost stay in the, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how you do, but when I start thinking about the Lord and I start thinking about what He did, I just, I just start kind of thinking, what shall I do? How can I do anything that can equate to what you did for me? How can I offer any praise up to what you did? But there's a response. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You want to give Jesus Christ the highest compliment to what He did? It's to respond the way He's required us to respond. And it's absolutely essential. He said, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to see me face to face, if you are not born of the water and of the Spirit, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 8, 9, Paul wrote, he said, if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you, then you are not of His. It's not up for debate. Jesus said there's only one very simplistic way. It's you dying out to your sins. It's you being baptized in Jesus' name. And it's letting my Spirit dwell inside of you. And I'm telling you, God's still doing it all around the world. And lives are being changed forever by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, then you need to be baptized. It's kind of God's stamp of approval. Must be born of the water. And there's only one name that we go down in. If you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, then Acts 19 says you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus. He's given us His name to take on His name, to take ownership, possession of His name. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Well, how do I receive it? You've got to repent. You've got to lay everything down. You've got to confess all those things. You've got to leave everything down at the altar. Maybe, maybe you haven't been refilled in some time. 
God wants to refill you. He wants to give you a fresh power, a fresh anointing, a fresh joy, a fresh peace. God wants to do it. But the question is, are you going to receive what God wants to do? And so I'm going to open this altar up this morning. What holds us back? What holds us back from doing and receiving what God wants to do in our lives? I don't understand it. I'm worried about what other people are going to say, what other people are going to think. I, 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 just, I want to keep looking cute. I, I don't know. I'm telling you, I've never seen someone's life changed. Like the power of the Holy Ghost can change someone's life. You say, well, what do you know, little boy? I know a good bit. Because I've been around the block too many times. Pushing drugs for three and a half years, hooked on drugs for four and a half years. OD'd on 72 pills. Living life my own way. Drinking, smoking. No relationship with my family. What do you know? I know a good bit. Take it from the voice of experience. From a young man who's Live life too fast. But it was when I got into the presence of God. It's when I really laid everything down. It was when I said, Lord, that I may decrease and you may increase. It was at that moment I lifted my hands up. And I said, Jesus. I said, I don't know really how to talk to you, man. But Lord... I want you to live inside of me. It wasn't until I prayed that prayer. It wasn't until that moment. I started feeling some things break inside of my life. It wasn't at that moment until I started feeling some things fall off of me. It wasn't until that moment I really was changed forever. So whatever you need today, God wants to do it.